chapter eighteen of peveril of the peak by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain read by dion gines salt lake city utah now read me read me dear brother throughout merry england where will i find a messenger betwixt us two to send ballad of king estimir julian's first encounter after re-entering the castle was with its young lord who received him with his usual kindness and lightness of humour thrice welcome sir knight of dames said the earl here you rove gallantly and at free will through our dominions fulfilling of appointments and achieving amorous adventures while we are condemned to sit in our royal halls as dull and as immovable as if our majesty was carved on the stern of some manx smuggling dogger and christened the king arthur of ramsay nay in that case you would take the sea said julian and so enjoy travel and adventure enough oh but suppose me wind-bound or detained in harbour by a revenue pink or ashore if you like it and lying high and dry upon the sand imagine the royal image in the dullest of all predicaments and you have not equalled mine i am happy to hear at least that you have had no disagreeable employment said julian the morning's alarm has blown over i suppose in faith it has julian and our close inquiries cannot find any cause for the apprehended insurrection that bridgenorth is in the island seems certain but private affairs of consequence are alleged as the cause of his visit and i am not desirous to have him arrested unless i could prove some malpractices against him and his companions in fact it would seem we had taken the alarm too soon my mother speaks of consulting you on the subject julian and i will not anticipate her solemn communication it will be partly apologetical i suppose for we begin to think our retreat rather unroyal and that like the wicked we have fled when no man pursued this idea afflicts my mother who as a queen dowager a queen regent a heroine and a woman in general would be extremely mortified to think that her precipitate retreat hither had exposed her to the ridicule of the islanders and she is disconcerted and out of humour accordingly in the meanwhile my sole amusement has been the grimaces and fantastic gestures of that ape fenella who is more out of humour and more absurd in consequence than you ever saw her morris says it is because you pushed her downstairs julian how is that nay morris has misreported me answered julian i did but lift her upstairs to be rid of her importunity for she chose in her way to contest my going abroad in such an obstinate manner that i had no other mode of getting rid of her 
she must have supposed your departure at a moment so critical was dangerous to the state of our garrison answered the earl it shows how dearly she esteems my mother's safety how highly she rates your prowess but thank heaven there sounds the dinner-bell i would the philosophers who find a sin and waste of time in good cheer could devise us any pastime half so agreeable the meal which the young earl had thus longed for as a means of consuming a portion of the time which hung heavy on his hands was soon over as soon at least as the habitual and stately formality of the countess's household permitted she herself accompanied by her gentlewomen and attendants retired early after the tables were drawn and the young gentlemen were left to their own company wine had for the moment no charms for either for the earl was out of spirits from ennui and impatience of his monotonous and solitary course of life and the events of the day had given peveril too much matter for reflection to permit his starting amusing or interesting topics of conversation after having passed the flask in silence betwixt them once or twice they withdrew each to a separate embrasure of the windows of the dining apartment which such was the extreme thickness of the wall were deep enough to afford a solitary recess separated as it were from the chamber itself in one of these sat the earl of derby busied in looking over some of the new publications which had been forwarded from london and at intervals confessing how little power or interest these had for him by yawning fearfully as he looked out on the solitary expanse of waters which save from the flight of a flock of seagulls or a solitary cormorant offered so little of variety to engage his attention peveril on his part held a pamphlet also in his hand without giving or affecting to give it even his occasional attention his whole soul turned upon the interview which he had had that day with alice bridgenorth and with her father while he in vain endeavoured to form any hypothesis which could explain to him why the daughter to whom he had no reason to think himself indifferent should have been so suddenly desirous of their eternal separation while her father whose opposition he so much dreaded seemed to be at least tolerant of his addresses he could only suppose in explanation that major bridgenorth had some plan in prospect which it was in his own power to farther or to impede while from the demeanour and indeed the language of alice he had but too much reason to apprehend that her father's favour could only be conciliated by something on his own part approaching to dereliction of principle but by no conjecture which he could form could he make the least guess concerning the nature of that compliance of which bridgenorth seemed desirous he could not imagine notwithstanding alice had spoken of treachery 
that her father would dare to propose to him uniting in any plan by which the safety of the countess or the security of her little kingdom of man was to be endangered this carried such indelible disgrace in the front that he could not suppose the scheme proposed to him by any who was not prepared to defend with his sword upon the spot so flagrant an insult offered to his honour and such a proceeding was totally inconsistent with the conduct of major bridgenorth in every other respect besides his being too calm and cold-blooded to permit of his putting a mortal affront upon the son of his old neighbour to whose mother he confessed so much of obligation while peveril in vain endeavoured to extract something like a probable theory out of the hints thrown out by the father and by the daughter not without the additional and lover-like labour of endeavouring to reconcile his passion to his honour and conscience he felt something gently pull him by the cloak he unclasped his arms which in meditation had been folded on his bosom and withdrawing his eyes from the vacant prospect of sea-coast and sea which they perused without much consciousness upon what they rested he beheld beside him the little dumb maiden the elfin fenella she was seated on a low cushion or stool with which she had nestled close to peveril's side and had remained there for a short space of time expecting no doubt he would become conscious of her presence until tired of remaining unnoticed she at length solicited his attention in the manner which we have described startled out of his reverie by this intimation of her presence he looked down and could not without interest behold this singular and helpless being her hair was unloosened and streamed over her shoulders in such length that much of it lay upon the ground and in such quantity that it formed a dark veil or shadow not only around her face but over her whole slender and minute form from the profusion of her tresses looked forth her small and dark but well-formed features together with the large and brilliant black eyes and her whole countenance was composed into the imploring look of one who is doubtful of the reception she is about to meet with from a valued friend while she confesses a fault pleads an apology or solicits a reconciliation in short the whole face was so much alive with expression that julian though her aspect was so familiar to him could hardly persuade himself but that her countenance was entirely new the wild fantastic elvish vivacity of the features seemed totally vanished and had given place to a sorrowful tender and pathetic cast of countenance aided by the expression of the large dark eyes which as they were turned up towards julian 
glistened with moisture that nevertheless did not overflow the eyelids conceiving that her unwonted manner arose from a recollection of the dispute which had taken place betwixt them in the morning peveril was anxious to restore the little maiden's gaiety by making her sensible that there dwelt on his mind no unpleasing recollection of their quarrel he smiled kindly and shook her hand in one of his while with the familiarity of one who had known her from childhood he stroked down her long dark tresses with the other she stooped her head as if ashamed and at the same time gratified with his caresses and he was thus induced to continue them until under the veil of her rich and abundant locks he suddenly felt his other hand which she still held in hers slightly touched with her lips and at the same time moistened with a tear at once and for the first time in his life the danger of being misinterpreted in his familiarity with a creature to whom the usual modes of explanation were a blank occurred to julian's mind and hastily withdrawing his hand and changing his posture he asked her by a sign which custom had rendered familiar whether she brought any message to him from the countess she started up and arranged herself in her seat with the rapidity of lightning and at the same moment with one turn of her hand braided her length of locks into a natural head-dress of the most beautiful kind there was indeed when she looked up a blush still visible on her dark features but their melancholy and languid expression had given place to that of wild and restless vivacity which was most common to them her eyes gleamed with more than their wonted fire and her glances were more piercingly wild and unsettled than usual to julian's inquiry she answered by laying her hand on her heart a motion by which she always indicated the countess and rising and taking the direction of her apartment she made a sign to julian to follow her the distance was not great betwixt the dining apartment and that to which peveril now followed his mute guide yet in going thither he had time enough to suffer cruelly from the sudden suspicion that this unhappy girl had misinterpreted the uniform kindness with which he had treated her and hence to come to regard him with feelings more tender than those which belong to friendship the misery which such a passion was likely to occasion to a creature in her helpless situation and activated by such lively feelings was great enough to make him refuse credit to the suspicion which pressed itself upon his mind while at the same time he formed the internal resolution so to conduct himself towards fenella as to check such misplaced sentiments if indeed she unhappily entertained them towards him when they reached the countess's apartment they found her with writing implements and many sealed letters before her she received julian with her usual kindness and having caused him to be seated 
beckoned to the mute to resume her needle in an instant fenella was seated at an embroidering frame but for the movement of her dexterous fingers she might have seemed a statue so little did she move from her work either head or eye as her infirmity rendered her presence no bar to the most confidential conversation the countess proceeded to address peveril as if they had been literally alone together julian she said i am not now about to complain to you of the sentiments and conduct of derby he is your friend he is my son he has kindness of heart and vivacity of talent and yet dearest lady said peveril why will you distress yourself with fixing your eye on deficiencies which arise rather from a change of times and manners than any degeneracy of my noble friend let him be once engaged in his duty whether in peace or war and let me pay the penalty if he acquits not himself becoming his high station ay replied the countess but when will the call of duty prove superior to that of the most idle or trivial indulgence which can serve to drive over the lazy hour his father was of another mould and how often was it my lot to entreat that he would spare from the rigid discharge of those duties which his high station imposed the relaxation absolutely necessary to recruit his health and his spirits still my dearest lady said peveril you must allow that the duties to which the times summoned your late honoured lord were of a more stirring as well as a more peremptory cast than those which await your son i know not that said the countess the wheel appears to be again revolving and the present period is not unlikely to bring back such scenes as my young years witnessed well be it so they will not find charlotte de la tremoille broken in spirit though depressed by years it was even on this subject i would speak with you my young friend since our first early acquaintance when i saw your gallant behaviour as i issued forth to your childish eye like an apparition from my place of concealment in your father's castle it has pleased me to think you a true son of stanley and peveril i trust your nurture in this family has been ever suited to the esteem in which i hold you nay i desire no thanks i have to require of you in return a piece of service not perhaps entirely safe to yourself but which as times are circumstanced no person is so well able to render to my house you have been ever my good and noble lady answered peveril as well as my kind and i may say maternal protectress you have a right to command the blood of stanley in the veins of every one you have a thousand rights to command it in mine my advices from england said the countess resemble more the dreams of a sick man than the regular information which i might have expected from such correspondence as mine their expressions are like those of men 
who walk in their sleep and speak by snatches of what passes in their dreams it is said a plot real or fictitious has been detected among the catholics which has spread far wider and more uncontrollable terror than that of the fifth of november its outlines seem utterly incredible and are only supported by the evidence of wretches the meanest and most worthless in the creation yet it is received by the credulous people of england with the most undoubting belief this is a singular delusion to rise without some real ground answered julian i am no bigot cousin though a catholic replied the countess i have long feared that the well-meant zeal of our priests for increasing converts would draw on them the suspicion of the english nation these efforts have been renewed with double energy since the duke of york conformed to the catholic faith and the same event has doubled the hate and jealousy of the protestants so far i fear there may be just cause of suspicion that the duke is a better catholic than an englishman and that bigotry has involved him as avarice or the needy greed of a prodigal has engaged his brother in relations with france whereof england may have too much reason to complain but the gross thick and palpable fabrications of conspiracy and murder blood and fire the imaginary armies the intended massacres form a collection of falsehoods that one would have thought indigestible even by the coarse appetite of the vulgar for the marvellous and horrible but which are nevertheless received as truth by both houses of parliament and questioned by no one who is desirous to escape the odious appellation of friend to the bloody papists and favourer of their infernal schemes of cruelty but what say those who are most likely to be affected by these wild reports said julian what say the english catholics themselves a numerous and wealthy body comprising so many noble names their hearts are dead within them said the countess they are like sheep penned up in the shambles that the butcher may take his choice among them in the obscure and brief communications which i have had by a secure hand they do but anticipate their own utter ruin and ours so general is the depression so universal the despair but the king said peveril the king and the protestant royalists what say they to this growing tempest charles replied the countess with his usual selfish prudence truckles to the storm and will let cord and axe do their work on the most innocent man in his dominions rather than lose an hour of pleasure in attempting their rescue and for the royalists either they have caught the general delirium which has seized on protestants in general or they stand aloof and neutral afraid to 
show any interest in the unhappy catholics lest they be judged altogether such as themselves and abettors of the fearful conspiracy in which they are alleged to be engaged in fact i cannot blame them it is hard to expect that mere compassion for a persecuted sect or what is yet more rare an abstract love of justice would be powerful enough to engage men to expose themselves to the awakened fury of a whole people for in the present state of general agitation whoever disbelieves the least tittle of the enormous improbabilities which have been accumulated by these wretched reformers is instantly hunted down as one who would smother the discovery of the plot it is indeed an awful tempest and remote as we lie from its sphere we must expect soon to feel its effects lord derby already told me something of this said julian and that there were agents in this island whose object was to excite insurrection yes answered the countess and her eye flashed fire as she spoke and had my advice been listened to they had been apprehended in the very fact and so dealt with as to be a warning to all others how they sought this independent principality on such an errand but my son who is generally so culpably negligent of his own affairs was pleased to assume the management of them upon this crisis i am happy to learn madam answered peveril that the measures of precaution which my kinsman has adopted have had the complete effect of disconcerting the conspiracy for the present julian but they should have been such as would have made the boldest tremble to think of such infringements of our rights in future but derby's present plan is fraught with greater danger and yet there is something in it of gallantry which has my sympathy what is it madam inquired julian anxiously and in what can i aid it or avert its dangers he proposes said the countess instantly to set forth for london he is he says not merely the feudal chief of a small island but one of the noble peers of england who must not remain in the security of an obscure and distant castle when his name or that of his mother is slandered before his prince and people he will take his place he says in the house of lords and publicly demand justice for the insult thrown on his house by perjured and interested witnesses it is a generous resolution and worthy of my friend said julian peveril i will go with him and share his fate be it what it may alas foolish boy answered the countess as well may you ask a hungry lion to feel compassion as a prejudiced and furious people to do justice they are like the madman at the height of frenzy who murders without compunction his best and dearest friend and only wonders and wails over his own cruelty when he is recovered from his delirium pardon me dearest lady said julian this cannot be the noble and generous people of england 
cannot be thus strangely misled whatever prepossessions may be current among the more vulgar the house of legislature cannot be deeply infected by them they will remember their own dignity alas cousin answered the countess when did englishmen even of the highest degree remember anything when hurried away by the violence of party feelings even those who have had too much sense to believe in the incredible fictions which gull the multitude will beware how they expose them if their own political party can gain a momentary advantage by their being accredited it is amongst such too that your kinsman has found friends and associates neglecting the old friends of his house as too grave and formal companions for the humour of the times his intercourse has been with the versatile shaftesbury the mercurial buckingham men who would not hesitate to sacrifice to the popular moloch of the day whatsoever or whomsoever whose ruin could propitiate the deity forgive a mother's tears kinsman but i see the scaffold at bolton again erected if derby goes to london while these bloodhounds are in full cry obnoxious as he is and i have made him by my religious faith and my conduct in this island he dies his father's death and yet upon what other course to resolve let me go to london madam said peveril much moved by the distress of his patroness your ladyship was wont to rely something on my judgment i will act for the best will communicate with those whom you point out to me and only with them and i trust soon to send you information that this delusion however strong it may now be is in the course of passing away at the worst i can apprise you of the danger should it menace the earl or yourself and may be able also to point out the means by which it may be eluded the countess listened with a countenance in which the anxiety of maternal affection which prompted her to embrace peveril's generous offer struggled with her native disinterested and generous disposition think what you ask of me julian she replied with a sigh would you have me expose the life of my friend's son to those perils to which i refuse my own no never nay but madam replied julian i do not run the same risk my person is not known in london my situation though not obscure in my own country is too little known to be noticed in that huge assemblage of all that is noble and wealthy no whisper i presume however indirect has connected my name with the alleged conspiracy i am a protestant above all and can be accused of no intercourse direct or indirect with the church of rome my connections also lie amongst those who if they do not or cannot befriend me cannot at least be dangerous to me in a word i run no danger where the earl might incur great peril alas said the countess of derby all this generous reasoning may be true but it could only be listened to 
by a widowed mother selfish as i am i cannot but reflect that my kinswoman has in all events the support of an affectionate husband such is the interested reasoning to which we are not ashamed to subject our better feelings do not call it so madam answered peveril think of me as the younger brother of my kinsman you have ever done by me the duties of a mother and have a right to my filial service were it at a risk ten times greater than a journey to london to inquire into the temper of the times i will instantly go and announce my departure to the earl stay julian said the countess if you must make this journey in our behalf and alas i have not generosity enough to refuse your noble proffer you must go alone and without communication with derby i know him well his lightness of mind is free from selfish baseness and for the world he would not suffer you to leave man without his company and if he went with you your noble and disinterested kindness would be of no avail you would but share his ruin as the swimmer who attempts to save a drowning man is involved in his fate if he permit the sufferer to grapple with him it shall be as you please madam said peveril i am ready to depart upon half an hour's notice this night then said the countess after a moment's pause this night i will arrange the most secret means of carrying your generous project into effect for i would not excite that prejudice against you which will instantly arise were it known you had so lately left this island and its popish lady you will do well perhaps to use a feigned name in london pardon me madam said julian i will do nothing that can draw on me unnecessary attention but to bear a feigned name or effect any disguise beyond living with extreme privacy would i think be unwise as well as unworthy and what if challenged i might find some difficulty in assigning a reason for consistent with perfect fairness of intentions i believe you are right answered the countess after a moment's consideration and then added you propose doubtless to pass through derbyshire and visit martindale castle i should wish it madam certainly replied peveril did time permit and circumstances render it advisable of that said the countess you must yourself judge dispatch is doubtless desirable on the other hand arriving from your own family seat you will be less an object of doubt and suspicion than if you posted up from hence without even visiting your parents you must be guided in this in all by your own prudence go my dearest son for to me you should be dear as a son go and prepare for your journey i will get ready some dispatches and a supply of money nay do not object am i not your mother and are you not discharging a son's duty dispute not my right of defraying your expenses nor is this all for as i must trust your zeal and prudence to act in our behalf 
when occasion shall demand i will furnish you with effectual recommendations to our friends and kindred entreating and enjoining them to render whatever aid you may require either for your own protection or the advancement of what you may propose in our favour peveril made no farther opposition to an arrangement which in truth the moderate state of his own finances rendered almost indispensable unless with his father's assistance and the countess put into his hand bills of exchange to the amount of two hundred pounds upon a merchant in the city she then dismissed julian for the space of an hour after which she said she must again require his presence the preparations for his journey were not of a nature to divert the thoughts which speedily pressed on him he found that half an hour's conversation had once more completely changed his immediate prospects and plans for the future he had offered to the countess of derby a service which her uniform kindness had well deserved at his hand but by her accepting it he was upon the point of being separated from alice bridgenorth at a time when she was become dearer to him than ever by her avowal of mutual passion her image rose before him such as he had that day pressed her to his bosom her voice was in his ear and seemed to ask whether he could desert her in the crisis which everything seemed to announce as impending but julian peveril his youth considered was strict in judging his duty and severely resolved in executing it he trusted not his imagination to pursue the vision which presented itself but resolutely seizing his pen wrote to alice the following letter explaining his situation as far as justice to the countess permitted him to do so i leave you dearest alice thus ran the letter i leave you and though in doing so i but obey the command you have laid on me yet i can claim little merit for my compliance since without additional and most forcible reasons in aid of your orders i fear i should have been unable to comply with them but family affairs of importance compel me to absent myself from this island for i fear more than one week my thoughts hopes and wishes will be on the moment that shall restore me to the black fort and its lovely valley let me hope that yours will sometimes rest on the lonely exile whom nothing could render such but the command of honour and duty do not fear that i mean to involve you in a private correspondence and let not your father fear it i could not love you so much but for the openness and candour of your nature and i would not that you concealed from major bridgenorth one syllable of what i now avow respecting other matters he himself cannot desire the welfare of our common country with more zeal than i do differences may occur concerning the mode in which that is to be obtained but in the principle i am convinced there can be only one mind between us nor can i refuse to listen to his experience and wisdom 
even where they may ultimately fail to convince me farewell alice farewell much might be added to that melancholy word but nothing that could express the bitterness with which it is written yet i could transcribe it again and again rather than conclude the last communication which i can have with you for some time my sole comfort is that my stay will scarce be so long as to permit you to forget one who never can forget you he held the paper in his hand for a minute after he had folded but before he had sealed it while he hurriedly debated in his own mind whether he had not expressed himself towards major bridgenorth in so conciliating a manner as might excite hopes of proselytism which his conscience told him he could not realize with honor yet on the other hand he had no right from what bridgenorth had said to conclude that their principles were diametrically irreconcilable for though the son of a high cavalier and educated in the family of the countess of derby he was himself upon principle an enemy of prerogative and a friend to the liberty of the subject and with such considerations he silenced all internal objections on the point of honour although his conscience secretly whispered that these conciliatory expressions towards the father were chiefly dictated by the fear that during his absence major bridgenorth might be tempted to change the residence of his daughter and perhaps to convey her altogether out of his reach having sealed his letter julian called his servant and directed him to carry it under cover of one addressed to mrs debich to a house in the town of russian where packets and messages intended for the family at black fort were usually deposited and for that purpose to take horse immediately he thus got rid of an attendant who might have been in some degree a spy on his motions he then exchanged the dress he usually wore for one more suited to travelling and having put a change or two of linen into a small cloak-bag selected as arms a strong double-edged sword and an excellent pair of pistols which last he carefully loaded with double bullets thus appointed and with twenty pieces in his purse and the bills we have mentioned secured in a private pocket-book he was in readiness to depart as soon as he should receive the countess's commands the buoyant spirit of youth and hope which had for a moment been chilled by the painful and dubious circumstances in which he was placed as well as the deprivation which he was about to undergo now revived in full vigour fancy turning from more painful anticipations suggested to him that he was now entering upon life at a crisis when resolution and talents were almost certain to make the fortune of their possessor how could he make a more honourable entry on the bustling scene 
than sent by and acting in behalf of one of the noblest houses in england and should he perform what his charge might render incumbent with the resolution and the prudence necessary to secure success how many occurrences might take place to render his mediation necessary to bridgenorth and thus enable him on the most equal and honourable terms to establish a claim to his gratitude and to his daughter's hand whilst he was dwelling on such pleasing though imaginary prospects he could not help exclaiming aloud yes alice i will win thee nobly the words had scarce escaped his lips when he heard at the door of his apartment which the servant had left ajar a sound like a deep sigh which was instantly succeeded by a gentle tap come in replied julian somewhat ashamed of his exclamation and not a little afraid that it had been caught up by some eavesdropper come in he again repeated but his command was not obeyed on the contrary the knock was repeated somewhat louder he opened the door and fenella stood before him with eyes that seemed red with recent tears and with a look of the deepest dejection the little mute first touching her bosom and beckoning with her finger made to him the usual sign that the countess desired to see him then turned as if to usher him to her apartment as he followed her through the long gloomy vaulted passages which afforded communication betwixt the various apartments of the castle he could not but observe that her usual light trip was exchanged for a tardy and mournful step which she accompanied with low inarticulate moaning which she was probably the less able to suppress because she could not judge how far it was audible and also with wringing of the hands and other marks of extreme affliction at this moment a thought came across peveril's mind which in spite of his better reason made him shudder involuntarily as a peaksman and a long resident in the isle of man he was well acquainted with many a superstitious legend and particularly with a belief which attached to the powerful family of the stanleys for their peculiar demon a banshee or female spirit who was wont to shriek foreboding evil times and who was generally seen weeping and bemoaning herself before the death of any person of distinction belonging to the family for an instant julian could scarcely divest himself of the belief that the wailing gibbering form which glided before him with a lamp in her hand was a genius of his mother's race come to announce to him as an analogous reflection that if the suspicion which had crossed his mind concerning fenella was a just one her ill-fated attachment to him like that of the prophetic spirit to his family could bode nothing but disaster and lamentation and woe End of chapter eighteen